Chun Li jacket out. New kicks to call me Kim Capabula. Drop my bread up and nothing, jig and stack it up. Bills doing keto, they ain't even stacking up. Out of hustle, different continents. Corn exchange trades, and I ain't got no common sense. No teachers, like I can't take a compliment. Committed to the game, but hard to be monogamous. Too many fish in the sea, and I wanna see you. Gotta be at the top the way to be up in my DM. Splash. I handle my own lane, ain't got no time for BM. Already in the car, let's BM. And all my toilet paper, too black. Pretend to fall through when you wish you fall with blue sky. And all my toilet paper, too black. Pretend to fall through when you wish you fall with blue sky. And all my toilet paper, too black. Pretend to fall through when you wish you fall with blue sky. And all my toilet paper, too black. Man. Yo. Yo, 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 yo. Yo, 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 no. Uh, what's going on? What's good, guys? This is the 40 Ounce Fridays podcast, episode 31. Thank you guys for uh, coming in and listening and joining me on this fine Friday. I hope everyone's having a fine Friday. hope everyone's having a good week. Uh, what am I going to be doing today? And Nick's going to be getting his taxes done a little later today. But I <laughs> hope everyone's tax season goes well, too. But um, what are we talking about this week? Let's just, you know, get right to it. Let's discuss. Um, main topic I'm going to be focusing on today is an anime I finally watched. I said I was going to watch like two, three weeks ago. Uh, finally watched it last night. Watched episodes, all the current episodes that were up. So episodes one through three. It was an anime, I believe it's pronounced Inspector. Uh, it's like in and then a slash and it says Spectre. Uh, pretty interesting. Um, I knew little to nothing about it. I've seen like maybe like a little promotional like uh, posters or something like for it, but, uh, other than that, I didn't know too much about it, so when I saw it, I kind of had, you know, initial thoughts in my head of what it could be, what it was going to be like, um, definitely not what I expected, but I'm still enjoying what I'm seeing so far, so we'll, that'll be the main topic of good discussion, I'll just be going over kind of like those first three episodes, how I feel about the show and where I think the show is going to be going, in my personal opinion, but we're also going to be going over some stuff involving, uh, Pokemon Home, uh, Pokemon sales, da 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 da, some recommendations, other things of that nature, and of course our Yu Yu Hakusho uh, weekly retrospective kind of thing. So we're going to jump right into it. So, first off, uh, the quick news. Um, this was not planned for quick news originally, but it dropped today. So, uh, a new Final Fantasy VII remake trailer came out earlier, earlier, earlier today. Uh, I saw it when I woke up. I got up at about. It was, like, a little before 10 o'clock, um, and I, uh, fucking was super hyped to see that there was a new Final Fantasy VII Remake trailer. Um, I've been, like, I don't even want to say I've been fully hyped for this game. I've been, like, excited for it just because Final Fantasy VII, I've talked about it before if, you, if you've if you listened to the podcast episodes before. Uh, I'm a big, big Final Fantasy VII fan. That was, like, a big part of me being younger in my childhood and, one of the main reasons why I'm into RPGs and JRPGs and stuff like that is because of Final Fantasy VII. So, whatever's going to happen, good or bad, I'm looking forward to the remake. I mean, I'm not looking forward if it ends up being bad, but, you know, I'm I'm invested. I'm, I'm ready to see what they're going to do. And I've been liking it so far. And, um, this trailer got me hyped. This is what, like, this is the full hype effect. If you haven't seen the trailer yet, just look up 
Final, oops, sorry. Final Fantasy VII Remake, I think it's just called Official Trailer. Um, but some things they showed. Uh, some more cutscenes of some other characters, like Shinra's, you know, other uh, executives in the other divisions of Shinra. So you get to hear their voice actors. Uh, it was English dub, so their English dub voice actors. Uh, pretty nice. I, I enjoyed it. And we we also saw Red Thirteen. Red Thirteen finally got shown in the trailer. He looks fucking dope. They even have like the the fire tail at the end that he always has in his in his artwork. So I was I was stoked on that. They show the motorcycle gameplay. I believe it looked like when you were escaping Midgar, uh, that section after you save Eris. Of course, we know disc one should be ending. The ending point to this one should be about the point where you leave Midgar. Uh, and uh, that should be the end of that episode one kind of thing. But it looks like they added a bunch of extra content. Uh, there's this first class soldier that's following them. They showed him in a trailer, like an early trailer, like a while back. I think it was back when they officially announced the release date. Everybody saw that soldier in the, when they added the, the motorcycle chase to the bombing run mission, and everyone was questioning who he was. It looks like he's going to be a reoccurring, at least through this episode one thing, maybe throughout the whole game, but it looks like he's going to come back at least throughout episode one, because uh, his dialogue said that, uh, he he said that um, they he wanted a rematch with Cloud. So either he knows Cloud from the past, or he didn't, and... Cloud got away, when they got away from the bombing run, maybe the dude was like, oh, we need to, to run that back off the motorcycles, I guess. So, I'm excited for that. I'm down for new characters, interesting content. There is this encounter with Sephiroth they also had, with Aerith, Tifa, and Barrett being there, as well as Cloud, and they look like they were in front of Genova, and it looks like there's some kind of Genova boss battle. So, so they really are switching things up in terms of story for uh, a lot of certain events. But I'm intrigued because that means it, I, I, there'll be things to, that I won't expect when I replay this game rather than just knowing the whole plot. Like, I probably know the, the general flow of the main story, of course, but there'll be other things on the plot, like that first-class soldier, that encounter at Sephiroth, things of that nature to be surprised by. So that's pretty cool. Um, Cloud cross-dress is confirmed. <laughs> it was in the trailer. So we get to see Cloud in a dress. It looks like the Honeybee Inn got like a sort of revamp to it too. So I won't spoil that because that scene was pretty interesting. But Cloud in a dress is in the game. Uh, Tifa was looking fine in the game in her dress. Aerith got her dress on. You know, they were in Don Cornelio's uh, little mansion in the wall market. So uh, I, it, it was cool, dude. It got me really hyped for the game. And of course they showed that, that new release date of uh, April 10th. 2020 so we got we still got a few months that's still the well it's three months away now because tomorrow is pretty much february but uh yeah so final fantasy 7 remake trailer um before i get into pokemon home and my thoughts on how pokemon home is going to work um because there's a few things that i think haven't been like fully detailed yet as as of my knowledge but uh i just want to go ahead and say that pokemon sword and shield has sold about 16 million copies. So that's pretty big, for a especially for a Pokemon game lately, too. 
I believe it's well on its way to being the best-selling Pokemon game in the main series. So, hate it or love it, the underdog's on top, I guess? <laughs> I don't I don't know. Um, but, like I I've talked about Sword and Shield before. I, I like Sword and Shield. I don't absolutely love it objectively from a game standpoint, but from, like, personal opinion playing and just the enjoyment I got out of it, I really, really liked it. I, I had a fun time. I'm still having a fun time with it. I did some Battle Tower stuff. Um, I am going to be getting the expansion. Call me a shill if you want. I don't give a fuck. It's my money. It's my life. I We can all still be friends here and disagree. But, um, yeah, so I just wanted to bring up the fact that Pokemon Sword and Shield uh, has sold 16 million copies and is well on its way to selling more. It hasn't even been two months since its release. It said in under two months it sold 16 million copies. Right? It's been under two... Because it came out in November. Yeah, so it's... And it was like later November. Yeah, so almost... So just about under two months it sold 6 million copies. Well, it's been about two months now. But yeah, that's that's what I've been reading about. So there's that. So Pokemon Home details real quick. Um, so Pokemon Home price stuff got revealed. And how it's going to uh, work is... Uh, you can get a month, and I believe it was like three ninety nine. Like it was either three or four dollars for a month, and then I believe it was five dollars for three. It was a little more for three months, and then I remember the year being like fifteen or between like fifteen seventeen dollars something like that. It was like something ninety nine. You get the gist of that. I, I should have wrote it down. I have some notes, but I didn't write it down. But um, that's generally what it is. Like a month is like a couple bucks. Then, like, three months is a couple bucks more, and then the year was, like, it was, like, $16.99 or $15.99, something like that. But, um, people are pissed because it's it's leading the controversy immediately because uh, you have to factor in other prices. Uh, people are immediately saying, like, so not only do I have to buy, buy the Pokemon game, well, of course you have to buy the Pokemon game, <laughs> Not only do I have to buy Nintendo Switch Online, but I also have to buy Pokemon Home. And it's a monthly, couple-month thing, yearly thing, whatever you want. So people don't like the fact that they gotta pay stacked on top of each other. Um, few things about this, though. Uh, a lot of people are also saying there is no confirmation that you need Switch Online to do this. That's what people have been saying... Other people have been saying otherwise, like, why wouldn't you need to, like, people have been going back and forth, so I don't know the full details. I'll probably, you know, Google it, look some stuff up, see what I can find. I'm not too big on, like, being, like, a super, super informative news kind of podcast thing. It's just more of an opinion-based thing, but I want to get my facts straight. So, that's what I've been seeing in the comments, people going back and forth. Uh, a buddy of mine is pissed about it, definitely, that he has to pay for all that stuff stacked on top of each other. My thing about it is, in a sense of like, I, I, no, you know what, I fully agree, I, I fully agree and understand why people are mad, because also people are still paying for Pokemon Bank, and the way I saw it in my head was when I saw the price for Pokemon Home, and I saw, regardless of how, it's not that expensive, but still, regardless, I saw that, um, then people were debating whether or not if you needed to switch online, and then you also got to think people are still paying for Pokemon Bank to have those Pokemon stored in Pokemon Bank. And uh, my thoughts were, well, 
if they are adding 200 Pokemon with this expansion, who's to say they're not going to make more expansions that bring back 200 more older Pokemon and then 200 more? So all the Pokemon from previous games are back in this one game through those updates, and then you can transfer them into home from bank. My thing is, I don't know the exact price of bank because I never used it. Someone's calling me. Stop. Some random 1-800 number. Um, I don't know the price of Pokemon Bank just because I never personally used Pokemon Bank. And I believe it's a yearly fee. But however much it is, people are still going to be paying for that for another year or two because they're going to hold out and see like what other Pokemon they're going to be adding that I can transfer over into Pokemon. So now they're paying for Pokemon Bank. They're paying for how much ever for Pokemon Home. And then they're going to pay for the Switch Online. I feel at this point, because it seems like forever, whatever, indefinite near future, Pokemon Home is going to be the new Pokemon Bank. So Pokemon Bank, by the end of Gen 8's life cycle, I feel is going to become insignificant. Like, there's going to be no point in having it. Because it's not going to be of use from Gen 8 onwards. If that makes sense. So I feel like since they're moving over to Pokemon Home, I don't know if this is like the smartest idea, but in my personal opinion, I think it'd be smart of Nintendo to make Pokemon Bank free the moment Pokemon Home launches. That way people can keep their stuff in Pokemon Bank stored up and not have to worry about paying for it. And then when they can, if and when they get the opportunity to move more older Pokemon over into Sword and Shield, they only have to pay for home, and they only have to pay for the Switch Online, if you do need to pay for the Switch Online. Um, that's my personal thoughts on it. I can see that price stacking. Uh, people are also saying, well, you have to pay for the expansion for the full game. It's an expansion. There's still that debate going on whether or not... Um, the game was unfinished. I personally don't think the game was unfinished. I personally think it had about as much end content as a lot of other Pokemon games have had. Uh, but that's all personal opinion. That's all he said, she said bullshit. We're not worrying about that. That's not what we're talking about. Um, another way I see it, though, is people are saying, oh, man, we're going to pay for Switch Online, too, to do this. In my head, I was just like, because I don't personally pay for Switch Online right now. Maybe in the future I will. And I'm not getting Pokemon Home because I didn't have Pokemon. But I, there's no need for me to use it in my head. But I'm not factoring me in it. But what I'm thinking is... If you only bought the Switch for Pokemon Sword and Shield... I guess it makes sense for you to be upset that you now have to pay for Switch Online. If you have to pay for Switch Online to use Pokemon Home, which you also have to pay for. But also, I'm like, if you've had a Switch... There are plenty of other games that you could use Switch Online with. People play Mario Kart and Smash Bros and various other things online with Switch Online service. So in my head, I was just like, but if you're using Switch Online, you're probably using it for more than just Pokemon, right? That was my thoughts. On, so I didn't see it as being any different than like having an Xbox Live or a PS Plus subscription. And I'm pretty sure... Um, the Switch Online service is cheaper too than both of those, and I know the Switch on I know the Switch Online service isn't the best. That's why I haven't gotten it yet. I I don't personally see a need for it yet for me. 
But at the same time, it's just like, I kind of feel like that's a personal issue. If people are getting mad, they have to use Switch Online for Pokemon. But if you're only getting the Switch Online for Pokemon, I guess that makes sense why you're upset. But that sounds like a you thing, because there's other games you can play on the Switch that have online services. So if you're going to get the Switch Online, then yeah, you probably have other games that you should be using Switch Online with. Like I said, like Mario Kart and Smash Bros. Those are, like, the first two that pop into my head. Uh, Splatoon. Splatoon 2. People still play that. I, people still play that. Um, I don't know. I just found that a weird argument in that sense, in that standpoint. I don't know if people want to disagree with me or not, but I just think, like, if you're paying for Switch Online, you probably have multiple games. If you only bought a Switch for Pokemon, and now you're mad that you had, like... Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like buying the Switch for the sake of a single game is weird. Like, I bought the Switch just for this game. Like, I find that weird. Now, don't get me wrong. If you bought a Switch because you saw a game on the Switch, you're like, oh, I have to play that. But maybe, like, you were also holding out. So, like, let's say, like, you 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 saw other titles like Mario Odyssey and... Such and such, and you're like, yeah, those look cool, but I'll probably just wait on the Switch and then get those games later and stuff like that. But then you saw that game you had to have, so then you bought the Switch with that game, but you fully planned on getting other games. I don't find that weird. That's personally what I was going to do, especially when Smash Ultimate got announced, and then the stars aligned for me to be able to happen to afford a Switch with Smash Bros. when I got my Switch. So that was cool as fuck. But, um, I fully planned on getting other games, which I do have. I have plenty of other games now. Um, but if you bought, you buy a Switch or any kind of console for the sake of a single game, I find that so weird that you spent a couple hundred dollars and then another 60 for that one title. Like, that's it? You didn't want anything else? I don't, I don't feel like, I feel like if you're buying a console for only one game and no other game, like, you shouldn't spend your money on that. Like, I feel like that's a waste. That's just my personal opinion, though. I'm not going to dwell any further into it. Uh, one last thing from Nintendo, though. Uh, I believe, um, yeah, Luigi's Mansion sales have hit about 5 million units. So, that game is selling. I believe, um, if I'm not wrong, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, but um, I believe it's outsold the other two Luigi's Mansion games. Or the other however many. I think there's only two. It's like Luigi's Mansion and then that one on the DS or the 3DS or something like that. Um, I've only played the first one. I, I didn't play that other one on the DS systems. And I haven't played Luigi's Mansion 3. But I believe it's outsold the other Luigi's Mansion games. So, shout out to Nintendo. They making bread. They making moves. <laughs> Hater to love at the end of dogs on top. And I also believe the Switch has already outsold... The Xbox One in total sales numbers, so fuck. The Switch is out here killing it, bro. Good for them. Good for Nintendo. Uh, fix that fucking Joy-Con drift, though. Uh, <laughs> anywho, um, any other quick news before I move along? Oh, one last bit of quick news. Where is it? Uh, Toby Lou. Uh, it was an artist I recommended yesterday or last week. Uh, he has a new song that came out yesterday that he put up on his, uh, YouTube channel called Hot Tub Time Machine. It's a pretty chill, groovy track if y'all wanna 
kick back and listen to some chill music and relax for an evening. Uh, that's Toby Lou's Hot Tub Time Machine. So I think that's about it for the quick news. So we're going to go ahead and uh, move into some recommendations really quick before I go ahead and do the Yu Yu Hakusho retrospective. Okay, so for uh, recommendations, uh, for anime, I want to recommend uh, an older anime. I don't remember what year it came out in, but was it a while, while back. It's an anime called uh, Gungrave. I don't know if, because there's a game for Gungrave too. I'm not sure if a gun, if the game is based off the anime or if the anime is based off the game. <coughs> but what I do know is Gungrave is a pretty good anime. I, I for the most part, Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. The only part I wasn't really vibing to is the ending. But how about you guys give it a watch and tell me what you think about that? Uh, it's it's a 26-episode anime. Um, if you want a quick little synopsis of it, it uh, takes place in this world with, uh, you know, kind of like the mafia and the family going on, kind of like that aspect. And uh, the main characters are these two kind of street guys uh, the main main character being Brandon and then uh, his best friend Harry. Brandon's a real tough dude. He's a strong, silent type. Nice guy, though. Kind-hearted, but he's strong. He's tough. And Harry, he's a cool guy. He's more social. He has this natural sense of leadership to him, and he's smart and strategic. And they work their way up from the streets into the big mafia family, and they kind of go their own ways of moving up in the ranks of the family like Harry uh, Harry you know being smart working his way up through his intelligence and Brandon being uh, kind of like a hitman slash bodyguard kind of thing going on for himself but there's uh, some tragedy that leads into the real shift in the story with a lot of crazy kind of scientific science fiction supernatural kind of aspects to it that makes it really interesting so if you're looking for kind of like this tragic, uh, these best friends and the split between them and what leads to that split and what leads to these weird things and these tragedies and crazy stuff happening, I, I highly recommend it. It's It was a really good watch. And the ending song to Gungrave is fucking amazing. It is a fucking bop. Um... So yeah, if you're into if you're into stuff like uh, Trigun, Cowboy Bebop, I wouldn't like super super compare it to this, but it does bring back kind of like that vibe, Outlaw Star stuff like that. It does kind of have that vibe to it, and um, the the endings. If you like the opening to Cowboy Bebop, you'll you'll like the ending song to to uh, Gunwraith. So <laughs> there we go. Uh, manga. Uh, this manga is also a really popular anime that came back in 2001. It's called uh, Scribe. So I know if you're a anime head, old school like me, um, you'll know what Scribe is. Scribe was a super dope anime. I remember watching it when it came on Adult Swim as a kid, and it being just mind-blowing to me. It was another short one. I believe it's only 26 episodes as well. But it uh, was a manga series, I believe, originally. And my friend put me onto the manga. It's also a very short read. It's not super long at all. I think it's even less than 50 chapters. I read it a while back. But um, there's some very big differences in the later half of the manga and the later half of the anime. So if you want to give that a read, if you've watched Scryde already before and you, you want to read the story it came from, uh, I say read it because it is a fucking trip, especially the last few chapters. 
it's weird, but it's it's satisfyingly in, in like a weird way. It's like that was fucking odd, like those last three chapters. But it's at the same time just like you know what? Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. It, it was cool, dude. It was a cool read. So I I recommend that. Uh, game. I talked about this game a few months ago on the podcast. I was last playing it. It's called Regalia of Men and Monarchs. Uh, Regalia. It was a like a crowdfunded project, I believe. It was on Kickstarter or something like that. But um, it's a cool game. It's a really short game. You can probably beat it in less than forty hours. So if you're looking for a quick little, uh, if you're looking for a quick tactical game, like you know, it plays in the vein of like Final Fantasy Tactics and things like that. Um, this is the game for you. It has a fun sense of humor. The battles are really unique and fun. And I like the way you level up. You level up um, units as a group, so when you go out on little trips to fight enemies and stuff and gain experience, you level up when one person levels up, everyone levels up. But it works for the game because you get little perk points every time. So everyone has certain perks that they can have on their character that, like, maybe change certain effects of their abilities because they all get, like, five moves, like, five abilities that they have throughout the game, but you can boost the stats of those abilities. You can change certain effects of those abilities with those perks, like I was saying before, equip different weapons, things of that nature, to twist and add the combat and shape it to your style. Like, let's say, for example, I have a move that moves in a straight line, and it's like a, sh- a gun. It's like a gun that moves, that shoots in a straight line, and it hits all enemies within that straight line. Let's say one of the perks increases its damage by such and such percent, but then it only hits one enemy. So, things of that nature. So, if you're into tactical games like that, uh, with kind of like this comedy twist, the plot is uh, you are a young boy and your father just passed away, but in his will, he leaves you got you... Your two sisters and uh, this this knight that swears loyalty to him, uh, a castle that your bloodline once ruled over, like a kingdom, and you're tasked to rebuild that kingdom because you find out it actually accumulated a great debt over the generations of its bloodline. So as you're working to pay off the debt, rebuild the town... Um, satisfy the townspeople and figure out the mystery of what the fuck led to the debt in the first place. It's it's a lot of stuff going on, but it is like it, they they blend that story really well in a very comedic way. If you're into kind of like that stupid that stupid dark kind of humor, like it's like dumb dark, not like deep deep dark, then you'll really like this game. And like I said, it's short. You can probably play through it real fast. Um, Good game, though. So, yeah, Regalia. Um, it's on, like, everything. It's on Xbox. It's on... I know it's on Steam. It probably originally came out on Steam. It's on Steam, and I know it's on Xbox and PlayStation. Uh, I have it on Switch, because I got, like, the... the Kind of, like, the complete bundle edition of it. With two DLC packs that come with it. So, really, really fun. And then the end game you just can kind of freely play, because it kind of has this aspect of... Like, kind of like how Persona 5 is, where you have a certain amount of time to finish a palace and do things. You have to accumulate a certain amount of money or do a certain amount of kingly deeds within, like, the two months they grant you to pay off debt to make it to the next chapter of the story. And then at the end of that, you do, like, a main story mission and it moves along from there. 
So if you like those aspects too, it has that. So yeah, Regalia of Men and Monarchs, check it out. Uh, music. For music, uh, I recommend a band known as Beat Crusaders. They are a Japanese kind of like punk pop rock kind of thing. Um, I've been listening to them since I want to say 2012. And the first song I heard from them was uh, the Beck Mongolian Chop Squad opening. They do that song. Um, you might have heard them. They, they're they unique because uh, from other kind of like Japanese bands that I've listened to purely because uh, they, their lyrics are all English. They're always in English. So, yeah, they did the opening to Beck Mongolian Chop Squad. They did the fourth opening to Bleach during the Bounce arc, uh, the Tonight Tonight song. They did the last opening to Hitman Reborn, Listen to the Stereo. Uh, so, just a couple, like, if you've heard them before, that's the Beat Crusaders. Great music, dude. I, I love their whole catalog. They're, they're solid. They were, they were a solid band. They broke up years ago. But, um, good stuff. They have a huge fucking catalog. You can even go on, like, YouTube and just type in Beat Crusaders. You'll find a shit ton of music. So, if you're, you're into that kind of, uh, pump rock, punk rock with, like, a little pop in it kind of sound, go for it. And all their albums, they kind of, like, change the sound a little bit. Like, some sound more, like, Way more like old school punkish. Some have a little more pop punk to it. Some sound like this kind of like emo punk, deeper rock. Like they 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 experiment around with their sound, and that's something they can appreciate. And finally, we have for movies. Uh, it's a movie I watched on on uh, Hulu a few weeks ago. I don't know if I brought this up or not in the podcast, but me and my uh, girlfriend had watched it. It's called The Art of Self Defense. It has a uh, Jesse Eisenberg starring in it. And pretty much the movie is, he's kind of a, I think I brought this up before. I think I already talked about it, but even still, I'll, I'll bring it up again. Um, he's kind of like this, I think he does like insurance stuff as a job, but he's a wimp. He's, he's a punk. And, uh, he gets beat up one night getting dog food for his, uh, dog. <laughs> Some dudes on motorcycles, like, just jump him randomly and beat him. So he becomes really squeamish. And he doesn't want to go outside at night because, you know, he got fucking jumped. And he ends up finding this karate studio, or little dojo place, and he starts learning karate, like self-defense. And then this dark comedy-type plot starts to unfold, and you kind of find out the truth of what really happened that night as you go along with the story and see why they did what they did to him. And what it ends up leading to. It's a great plot. In a really, really... Um, it really has that classic dark humor kind of vibe to it. Like, that's some dark humor in, in that. So if, you, if you're if you into actual, like, true dark humor. Kind of like that classic vibe in t- dark humor. Art of Self-Defense, check it out. It's on Hulu, so give it a, give it a watch. Um, okay, so that's all of that. So... Yu Yu Hakusho, Episode 3, Retrospective. Let's try to, you know, get through this one. I'm trying to be quicker with these while giving out as much information as I can about the episode. So, Episode 3, Kuwabara, A Promise Between Men. (coughs) Excuse me. This, of course, is one of my favorite episodes. Any episode involving Kuwabara in a major way is one of my my favorites. Love Kuwabara's character. But in this episode, we see Yusuke continuing... To try to uh, feed the, the his spirit beast egg good vibes and positive energy. Um, 
as they're doing this at the start of the episode, you see that him and Botan have been following Keiko around. Botan, you know, of course, teasing the fact that he loves Keiko, and even though Yusuke denies it, it's clear as day that those two are into each other. So as that's happening, Keiko gets, you know, stopped and harassed by a group of school punks. And, you know, they're trying to hustle money out of her, and they grab on her. And as that's happening, Yusuke can't do anything because he's a ghost. So who shows up to save the day? My boy Kuwabara. And Kuwabara even has kind of like... This episode shows a lot more of Kuwabara's character. And that he's more than just some street punk with a weird sixth sense. He actually has some kind of honor code and respect that we see here. Because he, uh, you know, stops them from hassling Keiko. And he tells Keiko to run and consider it, you know, as a, a sort of a redemption or apology for what happened the previous day where Yusuke had possessed Kuwabara's body and he was filling all up on Keiko with it. So he he has a sense of honor that we see from the jump in this episode and he doesn't like seeing the weak get beat up. So that's another thing. Kuwabara just doesn't pick fights with weak innocent girls and things like that. So him uh, so this, these school punks and Kuwabara and his gang get into a brawl, and is kicking ass, and Yusuke even says that when he's, like, fighting normal people, meaning when he's not fighting Yusuke, Kuwabara can actually throw down. So, then the next day at school, we see that, uh, the kids had already told their moms, and so Sariaski Junior High knew, and the rat-faced fucking teacher, I forget his name, but who cares about his name, um... He's hassling them and harassing them, even though Kuwabara's like, they, you know, were attacking us, and they were kind of the violent ones, and this and that. So then the plan to try to get Kuwabara and his friends expelled begins, and pretty much this teacher is hassling, uh, I believe the dude's name is Okubo, he's like the fat kid in Kuwabara's uh, gang, he, he, knows Kuwabara, he knows Okubo has a part-time job, and they're not allowed to have jobs while they're at school, so this could get him expelled, or he could call the job and Okubo could lose his job. But that can't happen because Okubo comes from a very poor family, and he's the only one old enough to really work besides his mom, so they wouldn't have enough money to eat or stay at the place they lived in. So Kuwabara's like, yo, dude, you can't... Kuwabara, of course, steps up for his friend, and says, that's not fair, that's not right. So then the teacher's just like, alright. And he's clearly trying to set them up to fail. Obviously. He's saying, one week, you guys can't fight anyone. If you get into any fights, that's it. Okubo's getting, losing his job. So, they're of course like, dude, that's impossible. We can't fucking do that. Those dudes from that school are going to come back and try to jump us. And of course, they don't think Kuwabara can do it. Because Kuwabara's not one to run from a fight. Kuwabara, of course, agrees, showing that, and then from there we see more of Kuwabara's kind of honor code and resolve, um, he's willing to do whatever it takes to help his friends out of a situation, even if it's something that seems impossible for him to do, so Kuwabara's just like, yo, we'll all just go straight home, let's just get, let's go, so Kuwabara's on his way home, and this fucking teacher, once again, is setting him up. Uh, following Kuwabara as he's walking home and sets up those school kids to run up on Kuwabara and try to jump him. Kuwabara 
then runs from the fight because he can't fight them. Um, then they call him out as a coward, and this, you know, once again triggers another aspect of Kuwabara's honor and his own personal code where he's not going to back down from the fight and he's not a coward. That's how he feels in his head, at least. So he goes back to the fight, but instead of actually hitting them, he's just like, just beat me on, beat me up all you want so I can hurry up and get home, but I'm not going to throw a punch back. This, of course, shocks them as they fucking pummel him into the ground. And Yusuke and Botan can do nothing but watch it happen. And rat-faced teacher dude uh, is pissed that Kuwabara didn't throw a punch back. So, you know, his plan's already failing. And everyone's surprised that Kuwabara actually has the resolve to keep his word. So the next day, Kuwabara's face is beaten and battered from the beating he took. But he didn't throw a single punch back. And then the rat face teacher, of course, has another plan in store for them. Because he's really trying to double down on the fact that he wants them to lose. He wants Kuwabara to fail. Because he doesn't see Kuwabara and his friends as nothing more than a bunch of school punks and losers. Which Kuwabara, of course, proves him wrong in the end. But we'll get to that. Uh, so then he's like, on the next test you guys are taking, you all have to score at least 50 points. Still stacked on top of the fact that they're not allowed to fight throughout this week. So now they're just like, ah, oh, fuck, we're really screwed this time. And, and that's how they are at first, but then they're just like, you know, one of them's like, oh, I, I, I passed the last test easily. Oh, I just gotta study a little more, and I'll pass. I got this many points before. And I think Kuwabara says that he got a 7, so now they're like, oh, fuck, we're doomed. On his last test, he got a 7 out of 100. And, of course, this brings up, you know, of course, the idea that Kuwabara is an idiot because he got a 7 out of 100. Even Yusuke's like, damn, he's even dumber than me. Uh, but, of course, when Botan asks what he got on his last test, Yusuke says a 12. So, Yusuke's not that much smarter than Kuwabara. <laughs> so... As this is happening through the rest of the week, Kuwabara actually, you know, tries to buckle down and start studying. And I th think this is one of the aspects where you see that I personally don't think, looking at Kuwabara's character as a whole, we get through the whole series. But right now, what I want to say is, I personally don't think Kuwabara is dumb. I just don't think he utilizes his brain as much as he should. Purely due to the fact that he thinks he needs to be this manly tough dude. That's what he sees a man being, which is why he doesn't rely on his head for strategy and why he just doesn't rely on his powers as much as we see earlier in the show. Or at least he doesn't utilize his abilities to their fullest extent. But we'll get to those points when we get to those points. But I believe that's Kulbar's character. He, in his own honor code, believes might is right and that he has to flex his strength to prove his worth when he should be relying on the natural gifts he has. I'm not saying Kuwabara is a genius, but Kuwabara, I believe, is much, much more smarter than he himself and other people give him credit for. So he starts studying, he's actually buckling down, and Yusuke and Botan are surprised to see that Kuwabara is doing the damn thing and actually putting some effort forth. At the same time, Kuwabara keeps getting attacked by these other school posts because they're hearing... That, hey, Kuwabara's not fighting back against 
other gangs. So let's get on this beat on Kuwabara train while it's still of the year. And Kuwabara continues to take beatings, continues to get his face more battered and bruised, but he never throws back a punch because he's doing it for his friend. He always keeps his word. He keeps studying. He keeps working. And this is one of the things that we always see from Kuwabara. No matter how much of a beating he takes, no matter how tough things get, Kuwabara always gets back up and tries. And that's kind of a staple to his character that we see throughout most of his fights in the series. I'm sorry. Still almost done with this cold, but I, I guess you guys noticed that the coughing's gone. I was coughing last week and the week before, but uh, back on topic, um, we see that Kuwabara, he he has this level of resolve that none of the other characters can really compare to. No one no one takes a beating like Kuwabara, as he said, uh, Yusuke always says, and that holds true, and and that's what I that's what I feel like makes Kuwabara kind of like the heart of the team and one of the purest characters in the show is the fact that even though he's a little misguided in his own beliefs and doesn't depend on his true strength when he needs to early in the series Kuwabara always has had this astounding resolve to not back down and not give up because he knows people are depending on him and Kuwabara always secures a win when it counts, when he knows people are depending on him, when he knows they need a win, that's when Kuwabara wins. And that's what we see when, uh, with a little help from Yusuke going into his dreams the day before the test, helping Kuwabara finish studying, and then the next morning, on the way to school, day of the test, more street punks try to jump Kuwabara while he's not paying attention, you know, finishing up on his studying before getting to school. And Yusuke really can't do anything about it because he's a ghost. One of them does feel his presence, though, but they, you know, his friends shake it off as they chase Kuwabara down. And on their way from chasing him down, they knock over one of the schoolgirls. And Yusuke remarks, oh, I've seen this. So I've seen that girl before. I know her from my class. And I like this callback to, you know, just an episode ago where a lot of shonen would, like, drop plot points like this. Like the whole thing of, like, you can go into somebody's dreams when they sleep even though you're a spirit or you can possess people when they're asleep and you have a connection to them somehow and they're attuned to the spirit world and whatnot. And uh, I like how they call back to this, even in these early episodes, even though it, it later gets more forgotten, I like how they used it consistently in this early part because a lot of shonens will bring up an idea for an episode and then just kind of drop it. So Yusuke possesses this girl's body, chases down the thugs, beats them down so Kuobara doesn't get jumped, and Kobar is able to get to school safely, take the test, and score enough points to pass. He made sure he wrote down all his answers on scratch paper and checked the answers over after he finished the test and said he got 53 points. So Kuobara's resolve proved true, but there was one more hurdle to cross. Uh, when Ratface Teacher was grading the test, he was actually fucking shocked to see Kuobara had passed. They couldn't believe that his plans had failed. Then uh, the other teacher, I don't remember their names, but they're not worth remembering. The, the the fucking asshole teacher from the first episode then is like, oh, look at that. You, you, you missed one. He actually got this answer wrong. He didn't even fill it in. And they erase one of Kuwabara's answers. 
and they're both laughing as they're just like, no matter what Kuwabara does, they're the teachers, so they have the power. So when Ratface gives Kuwabara his test, showing him that he only got a 48, Kuwabara, you know, is honest, sub- understandably upset and shocked because he's like, I checked my answers, I should have passed. And the teacher's like, well, there's plenty of things you can't do right. Looks like I'll have to call the Kubo's parents and his job and let them know. And as Kuwabara is like, you know, shaken over this, standing there just shocked and confused, Yusuke's just like, I always knew these teachers were out to get me. But look, like, look at this shit. Like, these guys were shady. They wanted them to fail because I guess in their heads they made the school look bad. And what they thought they were doing was right, even though they were fucking over school kids and their futures, In if you really think about it in the now. So Kuwabara notices that his last answer got erased. He can see the eraser marks. And all this buildup throughout the week of, you know, taking these beatings and, you know, doing his best not to fight back, studying hard all week, doing all of this, not for himself, but for the sake of his friend. Just to see that all his efforts meant nothing because his teacher could just lie and take it away. Drove Kuwabara into a rage. He runs up on Ratface, grabs him by the shoulder, twists him around, and is about to lay him out. Which would definitely lead into Kuwabara's immediate expulsion. Because, of course, he hit a teacher. But right as he does this, uh, Yusuke stops him. Even though Yusuke physically can't touch him, even though the scene kind of looks like it at first, Botan later explains that uh, spiritually aware people can, you know, feel or sense the emotions of spirits they're closely tied to. So through Kuwabara's enraged state and Yusuke, you know, desperately trying to stop him, Kuwabara could feel Yusuke's, you know, emotion and sense of like, don't do this, don't throw everything away. Because this teacher screwed you over, even though I know how you feel. So Kuwabara doesn't do it. And as the rat face looks like he's about to get to get away, Mr. I believe his name is is Iwamoto, the 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 only good fucking teacher that you see in the show. Um voiced by I believe what was his name? Kent Williams, who actually passed away a few weeks ago. I never got to say that. Uh Kent Williams was a voice actor who was the narr- narrator for Dragon Ball, like the original Dragon Ball series. He was also Iwamoto, and I believe he's George, the the ogre in Yu Yu Hakusho as well, and the narrator to Yu Yu Hakusho. I think he's all of those. I believe it was Kent Williams that passed. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, I'll look it up later. But Iwamoto grabs uh, Ratface by by his shirt, and he's just like, I saw what you did to that boy's test, and I would have punched you too if... If I had known that you fucking, you know, erased my answer. Now we're going to go back to the office and fix this. So, even though... So, Kuwabara still thinks that he failed. But then Akubo and his friends show up. Let him know that, hey, I get to keep my job. We don't have to worry about anything. Everyone passed. And everything's all good. And Kuwabara's happy that his friend made it through. So, through this one episode, we get to know Kuwabara... As a character who doesn't utilize his intelligence as much as he should, but he has a good heart and he has this really positive honor code, even though he likes to be tough and solve things with violence. When push comes to shove, when when it's for his friends, 
he'll do whatever it has he has to do to succeed. And that's just kind of like the groundwork for his character as a whole throughout the show, which is something I really respect and appreciate about Kuwabara and why he's one of my favorite characters. Because as a person, you want people like that in your corner in real life. You would want friends like that in your corner who are willing to set aside like different things about themselves for your benefit. Kuwabara did that for someone else. He didn't do all that for himself. And that's just something so respectable that even, you know, Yusuke has to give Kuwabara his props. And even though Kuwabara can't see Yusuke, he, he feels him. And he looks up and he says, thank you. And just an all-around solid episode, objectively and subjectively, I have to give this episode a 10. Like, this was a really good episode. It laid out... A great character and his personality. It showed Yusuke, even though he's a delinquent, it even showed like that underline of Yusuke, even though he's a delinquent, he means well for people he, he cares about. Like he was willing to help Kuwabara, even though him and Kuwabara are more rivals now than anything still. And he was thankful that Kuwabara was able to help Keiko, who he cares about deeply. So it was, it was an all around really good episode. And I'm 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 happy about it. I like that episode. So next week, um, I don't remember what next week is. So I guess we'll just see what episode is next week. I don't quite remember what the episode is because I I turned the episode off before. No, I didn't. I just wasn't paying attention to the next time preview. But next week we'll get into the next thing. I believe it's when that little check-in, that little uh, girl comes in to check in on Yusuke's status. I believe that's the next episode. So we'll see when we get there. But um, that's all for that retrospective. So now let's get into our final kind of like main topic thing that we'll be discussing. And that is going to be the anime series known as Inspector. So I, when I saw the little promotional material for Inspector... I was like, this looks really cool. Like, maybe I should give this a try. Saw it around the same time I saw uh, the same promotional stuff for It Invaded. It Invaded has gotten way more interesting to me since I talked about it before. Like, the the last episode I just watched, episode 5, I think it was, was really good. Um, So, but Inspector, um, episode 3 definitely really caught my attention at the end. And episodes 1 and 2... They're, they're, they're solid, but episode three is definitely best by far. But Inspector 2, let me try to give a brief... I took some notes for episode one, mainly, but um, pretty much uh, it's, it's set in, you know, modern world in Japan. And the main characters are a 17-year-old girl named Kotoko. And um, I believe the dude is like... 19? He's like 18 or 19. He's like a year older than her or something like that. Name uh, Kuro. And Kotoko meets Kuro in the hospital two years prior to what we see in the first episode. And he's there visiting his cousin who's sick. And as he's walking through one of the, the hallways, some kids run by and he trips and he's about to fall. And Kotoko, you know, breaks his fall. Kotoko notably has like a cane, so she's in the hospital, so for some reason, maybe she's ill, that's what I was thinking, and the thing I like about this episode, they set up 
certain aspects really well that are explained in the later half of the episode. Like, uh, she has this weird... She seems to be having this weird dream of her being younger and something, some voice asking her to be their goddess of wisdom. And then she wakes up and then she runs into Kuro. And then they show the flashback because Kuro doesn't seem to remember her. So after that flashback, or during that flashback, Kotoko's like, I saved your life. Just remember who I am. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll remember. And Kotoko is immediately infatuated by this boy. She 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 really likes him and has this crush. But as we see, uh, Koto at the time of this flashback had a girlfriend. This girlfriend's name was Saki. Uh, I bring up her name because she actually comes back during episode three, which I was actually surprised at. But um, it's really like this mundane conversation that they're having at this bus bench while it's raining. And they just happen to run into each other. <coughs> but uh, recently, uh, word went around the hospital, because Kuro still often visits his cousin, that him and Saki had broken up. So Kotoko knew about that because the nurses gossip around her. So then Kotoko gets straight to the point and asks Kuro out. And Kuro, you know, turns her down because he's really not ready for a relationship now. And then Kotoko, curious to ask, uh, you know, why him and Saki broke up and some strange stuff is brought up. So Kuro says him and Saki took a trip to Japan a while back and they were actually engaged to be married at this point. And as they were walking home by a riverbed at night, they saw a kappa. Uh, if you don't know what a kappa is, it's kind of like a, it's like a traditional Japanese, like, yokai kind of myth thing, like the weird looking, uh, turtle thing which it's weird just google kappa kappa or kappa it's k-a-p-p-a and you'll you'll see you'll you'll know what it is when you see it if you're into anime it's like the thing like lotad is sort of sort of based off of but um they see that and according to kuro saki got scared and then he says that like a coward he ran off. This made things awkward between him and Saki, and they eventually broke up because she was planning on moving for a new job anyway. And that's why they broke up. Kotoko, however, knows the truth. This is where some supernatural shit gets involved, besides the kappa, of course. And Kotoko kind of sees right through him, and it seems that they weren't so just so happy to be meeting. It seemed more like Kotoko knew where he was going to be, and approached him to speak with him. Because, Kotoko says, I don't think that's what happened. I think what happened was, the Kappa got scared of you, because they're normally peaceful, and ran away. This freaks Saki out, because why would that thing be scared of you? And she questioned what you were, that made things awkward, and that's why they broke up. And so it kind of gets straight to the point where it explains... Where Kotoko explains that when she was 11, she was kidnapped by these uh, yokai, these spirits, these specters, whatever you want to call them, that actually are real and lurk all around the world. And she was brought to some place where they asked her to be their goddess of wisdom. And she agreed. And she helps them mediate different problems or debates or arguments these spirits have. They come all around to ask her for help and guidance and wisdom of, you know, the human world and whatnot. 
And proof as proof of this, she reveals that when she was found, and that you could read it in the newspaper, when she was found, uh, she was missing a leg and one of her eyes was gouged out. And then she shows that one of her eyes is indeed fake. She, like, pokes at it, and it's like a doop-doop. And she shows that her leg is a prosthetic. And I was like, okay, well, that's why she has the cane and the dream was real. So I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. They revealed that within that first episode. And that the spirits and the specters and the yokai, all of that stuff, I'm just going to refer to them all as specters in general just because the series is called It's Spectre. Uh, these specters talk about Kuro a lot and they're fucking scared of him for some for whatever reason. Because Kuro doesn't look weird to me at all like he he just looks like a normal dude he doesn't have anything like scary looking about him but they're terrified of him they're they're like that thing's not human they refer to him as a creature or a monster so when kodako says this to him kuro seems to get more serious and asks, like you know what the hell who the hell are you in which kodako reveals that she's their goddess of wisdom so kuro's just like i don't know what you're talking about and, you know, they kind of talk for a little more, but Kotoko has to leave. So, as she gets on the bus, one of these specters is on the bus. It seems like a dead spirit of a warrior. And at first, it looks like he might attack her. But then he's just like, oh my god, I was so worried about you, Goddess Speak. Because they're scared of Kuro, even though Kotoko has a really strong attraction to him. Like, she, she likes him. She, like, truly wants to be his girlfriend. She still has this crush on him that she's carried to this day so the next day kuro runs into kotoko <laughs> who you know followed him because he went to research if there really was a kidnapping about this girl missing a leg and an eye we see another flashback and it's of kotoko at the park she was indeed found missing a leg and missing an eye and in the background like over off screen you can hear like an older kotoko talking about an old legend or myth of like a god who had like one leg and even sometimes is depicted with one eye and that there's different gods like this all over the world that have great wisdom so the strange part about it is when she was found and she was in the hospital doctors were saying like it's weird her leg got cut off but it looks like something like melted the wound kind of like closed in a way so it wouldn't bleed out and that her gouged out eye was already healed. There wasn't like pus or anything in it. So they were like, what the fuck? What is this? So she recovers and she's in the hospital and, you know, police are asking her questions, but she can see spirits, but the, and like yokai's inspectors, but they can't see it. So she believes, you know, she lost her arm or her leg and her eye and in return became their goddess of wisdom. Who took her leg and eye? They don't say. I don't think she even knows. So, we f we fast forward over. We see, you know, Kodo did his research and finds that out. Kotoko followed him. They're talking it out some more. And then, I believe what is to be a tanuki, like a little shape-shifting, like, kind of like fox kind of spirit, or not fox, raccoon kind of spirit, appears and informs Kotoko that the barrier around the library has been taken down and that there's some kind of evil, powerful yokai in there terrorizing things. And Kotoko guilt trips Kodo into helping because he's like, you're going to let, you know, like a small innocent girl get brutally murdered by an evil yokai, especially after she professed her love to you the day before. 
I like Kotoko's character. She's, um, she's strange, but she has a lot of layers to her. She's really, really straightforward is the, the big aspect about her. She, she doesn't hold back on what she has to say, but it's not in like, kind of like this aggressive bossy way. It's more of just like, she just says it like it's normal. Like some outlandish shit. Like think of like someone who says outlandish shit. In just like a normal kind of conversational tone. That's how she is. And that's what I really like. And Koro kind of like puts up this front of just being this normal dude. But deep down you know he he's a little more serious than that. But yeah he gets guilt tripped into helping Kotoko. And as this is going on they encounter the yokai. It's some kind of beast. And she's trying to talk some sense into it. And it attacks her. And she states that Koro of course you know grabs her and helps her make sure she doesn't get fucking gobbled up by this thing. But as Kotoko is explaining things, she's saying, like, that thing's out of control because normally they, they would listen to me, but it doesn't seem to be focused on that. So as they're running from it, Kotoko tries to fight it off with a fire extinguisher. She gets flung the fuck back. Then Koto catches her. And this time as the specter is, cha- like, rushing right towards them, uh, Kotoko just, or Koto just holds out his arm as he's, like, you know, holding on to Kotoko so she doesn't move. And this yokai bites off Kuro's arm. And Kuro just willingly lets it happen. So I'm just like, fuck me, that looked like it hurt. But suddenly, his arm just grows back. Like all the meat and the tendons form up and then the skin just forms over it. And this fucking yokai, like, melts away and explodes, kind of, and just dies. It just dies after eating the arm. So... Kotoko is fucking confused, as Kuro says, like, you know, my flesh really is poison to these things. And she's like, what the fuck are you, then? And he reveals at the end of the episode that when he was 11, he ate two different kinds of yokai flesh. And then the episode just ends. And I was just like, yo, what the fuck just happened? So then the ending plays, the ending song's a fucking bop. Um, so my first impressions of this... Oh, my God. Sorry. The cough is still quite not gone. It just doesn't happen as often. Excuse me. So, my first impressions of this episode were a big what the fuck. Because I was just like, oh, that's just, that was really abrupt of kind of an ending. It was weird to me. But, um... I was I was into it. I, I wanted to watch at least another episode because... I wanted to see where things were going with this. Was it going to take this serious, more darker turn? Was it going to be still kind of more like, I don't want to say lighthearted, but a little more chill like that first episode had been. And I wanted to know more about Kuro and exactly what the fuck was going on with him. So the next episode, it's like, you know, the next day or like a day or two later after that whole event that happened at the end of the first episode. Oh, the opening's also pretty good too. I, I enjoy the opening and the ending of this show. And Kotoko encounters Kuro again at the hospital. He's going to visit his cousin. Uh, he has some flowers. And Kotoko kind of pries more about, like, what exactly his abilities are. And Kotoko says, or Kuro says, pretty much ever since he ate those two different kinds of yokai flesh, he whatever wounds he gets... He doesn't really, like, feel it as much, and they instantly heal. Whatever wounds he gets, he instantly, instantly heals. 
And Kotsuko brings up the fact that there's myths and legends that say if you eat, like, the flesh of a mermaid, uh, you'll get, you know, healing powers and the ability of a turtle youth. But then she's like, well, you grew up, so it's not like you stayed 11 forever. And Koro's like, oh, you know, that's probably because of the other yokai flesh I ate. Kotsuko asks whether the yokai flesh did he eat. He does not answer, and he's like, oh, I have to go. So then Kotsuko's like, hey, do you want to, you know, help me out? I'm going to talk to this giant, like, kind of, like, serpent snake god on this mountain. (laughs) And maybe you want to come protect me? And then Koro kind of shows no interest in it at first, but later she, like, shows up to his house before she goes. And she's, like, dressed in this frilly little dress to visit. And he was like, oh, and at first he was like, oh, I can't go. I'm not going, I'm going home to make pork miso soup tonight. And she's like, yo, what the fuck? So when she shows up to the house, she's actually surprised that this nigga was cooking the soup like he said he was. And this episode is definitely a more, like, chilled one. Pretty much what happens, it's more of a conversation where they're talking about, uh, she's talking to this snake god, this forgotten old snake god at this, uh, swamp, and there was a murder kind of case involved there because a body was found in the swamp and the snake was really like curious as to what the fuck happened with this whole situation i don't want to spoil too much because i actually think people should watch it but this was another chill laid-back episode it kind of gave me more vibe to kotoko's character and actually what she has to do as a job amongst these yoskai as being a goddess of wisdom and then episode three, I don't get too deep in episode three because I actually really like that episode. And I actually feel like this is where, like, whatever the main story of this show is going to be, this is where it's going to start. Like, episodes one and two were kind of like that introductory because I believe during episode three it says another two years pass. <laughs> so that would make Kotoko now 19. And I believe if Koro was like, two years older than her, like a year or two older, he's like 20 or 21. So I'm not sure what's going on quite yet, but I feel like episode three is kind of like, all right, this is the story. Introductory episodes out of the way. So episodes one and two, I feel like maybe they could have executed those episodes a little better. And my explanation is probably doing it no justice. I I say, go ahead and just watch the three episodes. Uh, It's on Crunchyroll. So if you have Crunchyroll, go for it. Um, they were interesting, and they had a lot of lore to them, and I like the structure of how yokai and a lot of yokai and spirits and stuff actually aren't too violent, according to Kotoko, and due to, you know, the things that are involved in her job, but I feel like they could have went about these two episodes a little better, just laying stuff out. Especially the endings of the first episode, I just kind of feel like it ended way too abruptly, in my opinion. But I, I was like, I want to watch the next episode because I don't just want to not watch the next episode. And I enjoyed the first episode enough. So I watched the second episode and I actually really liked the little back and forth conversation Kotoko and the serpent were having. I thought it was interesting. I thought the whole little thing of what was happening in the swamp and why did this lady dump this body in the swamp and why did she say such and such and what happened i thought it was a really interesting episode and like the way it was laid out and episode three i just think is a really good episode i i was like i really like this one this that one 
episode three is what really made me start enjoying the show a lot more thoroughly. I was intrigued by episode one and two, and now episode three, I'm like, okay, I like this. It's kind of the same way I feel about It Invaded. By the time I got to like episode three or four, I was like, okay, I'm feeling this a little more. But I was always intrigued by episode one and two. I just feel like these series, they try to be a little too mysterious in the beginning because they want to catch your attention without having to explain too much. But I feel like they do it a little too abstract, if that if that makes sense. I feel like they should should be more literal what they're trying to convey. And I've, Inspector did a better job of being more literal. It was definitely more literal. I think my main problem with it was how quickly they just jumped into like, oh, yokai, yeah, yeah, spirits, this. I was like, oh, they just kind of did it over this conversation so suddenly. Like, he was so quick to bring up a kappa. You know, he's like, I know this is going to sound strange, but I was like, still, it was kind of weird. And that abrupt first episode ending. But it's not as, like, wildly weird and complicated as It Invaded's first episode was. But, I mean, overall, those episodes are good. And they do give you a bit of, like, interest and intrigue if you're, like, into that kind of stuff where it's like, what the fuck is going on? I learned from Dorara <laughs> because... I learned from Narara, just like, yeah, just give the first couple of episodes a chance if it does stuff like that. See what they're trying to do. But I feel like Narara is, like, one of the few that executes that style of storytelling in the beginning so well. And these were alright, but they could have done better. But by the time you get to, like, episode two and three, things are a lot more clear to you than at first. So I can forgive them for that. In my personal sense. But um, yeah dude go. If you're interested in Inspector. If you like supernatural stuff. Especially involving like yokai and whatnot, I say give Inspector a chance. The first three episodes are on Crunchyroll. As far as my knowledge. Maybe a new episode came up today. I don't know. It's upload. When they, when they put up episodes on Crunchyroll. Excuse me. <sighs> Stretching. But uh, overall my first impressions. I like it. Like I said. By the time I got to episode 3, I was like, okay, this is cool. This is cool. Um, opening endings are some bops. <laughs> so, give it a chance, I would say. It's not blown me away yet. But, hey, It Invaded is starting to really catch my attention after episode 5. So, we'll see where this goes when uh, episode whenever I watch episode 4. But I like it. Um, there's another anime I want to watch believe it's like called keep your hands off my something something you guys should know what i'm talking about just by that much of the title alone i really like the way the the art style and animation looks on it and it, it looks like it could be something funny to laugh to so that is also on crunchyroll so i'll probably give it try to watch it sometime this week and then once i've caught up on all those shows i can just you know watch them all weekly one episode a week each so we'll see what happens with that um I think that's it for this week. I wanted, to, I thought I was going to talk more about uh, Inspector, but I think I kind of laid out enough. And like I so oh. <sighs> Sorry, I unplugged my, my headphones. I don't know if you can still hear that or not, but I wanted to plug them back in. <laughs> I have uh, Bluetooth headphones, but when I'm recording the podcast to make sure 
there's less like of an audio cutter things like that. I uh, plug in the, the plug in the ox, <laughs> so I have a more like stable sound connection. Yeah, I wanted to talk more about Inspector, but I think I don't want to spoil too much of Episode 3. And I didn't spoil a lot of Episode 2 either. So I, I feel like this is something you guys should watch. I feel like it's the same thing as It Invaded. It's easier to get a grasp of what's happening if you watch it rather than me explain it. Because it is a lot to explain, and I just don't want to sit there and have to explain it to you. But, um... Definitely some interesting new series to to watch. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be following them for now. Hopefully they continue to keep my interest so I can keep watching. I um, I'm liking this stuff and I, I I I'm a shonen dude. I've talked about it before. I like mainly shonen anime. So I like mainly shonen anime, but I've also said like that doesn't mean I've only ever watched a red shonen of. You know, like I said, there's, like, other series that I like, like Beck Mongolian Chop Squad and, uh, what's it called? Dorarara is not really a shounen at all. At all. <laughs> and that's my second favorite series. Um, another series that I really like, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but, uh, Holic. XX, Triple X Holic. Um, Holic is, uh, really fucking good. That's another good series. The one that kind of, like, uh... Ties in with Subasa Reservoir Chronicles. That's something I need to read, uh, Subasa. But Holic is one of my fucking jams, bro. It's definitely in my, uh, top, top, uh, 20 favorite series. Loved Holic. Absolutely adored it. Um, things like that. I, I do branch out every now and then. I, not, I've watched overall more Shonen series, watch slash read more Shonen series than anything. But I do branch out when something catches my attention. And Inspector, Definitely catches my attention because it. I don't want to say it's it's just like Holic because it's not, but it kind of gives me that sort of vibe when I watch it. So that's something that I can enjoy. And it invaded is just a really kind of like unique idea. I like that like kind of like psychological mystery intrigue aspect of it. And then we have a keep your hands off my what I, I don't remember what it's called, but I'm gonna try to give that a watch and then maybe we'll talk about it a little bit next week but other than that that's about it for me that's for the pod that's the podcast this week um i guess if anything the last thing i want to talk about is uh the whole uh kobe bryant helicopter crash incident i'm sure you guys are very well aware of this but what what day was it on was it saturday or sunday i believe it was it was either saturday or sunday uh kobe bryant passed away in a helicopter crash, along with one of his, uh, daughters. Um, but, you know, so I want to, I'm not like, you know, the hugest basketball fan or anything like that, but all controversies aside, what you think, this and that of Kobe Bryant, you know, a man passed away and a man's daughter passed away and now a wife and kids are going to grow up without a husband and a father. And then a, a woman lost her daughter Children lost their sibling, and seven other people died in that helicopter crash. And I just want to say, like, regardless of how you feel about that person, that's this is still, you know, when it's non nerd related, but 
this is one of those things where uh, I feel like it's just something to, to say out of respect because it it was so sudden and I know everyone was shocked by it because it was just like wow like that really happened there's no way it sounds like one of those you know fake deaths people put out on the internet you know like when people tried to say Jackie Chan died and when or Morgan Freeman died. Like, it's one of those things where you're just like, there's no way that's real. Even though we shouldn't, you know, idolize and worship celebrities, I don't think it's about that. I think it's more about the fact that some people are shocked that a man that many people, like, looked up to as some kind of a mentor or, you know, just a positive role model or figure to look up to in life not really idolizing them, but having respect for them and their work ethic, uh, suddenly pass in this really tragic, tragic way. And one last thing I want to say is, um, just because somebody like makes a post saying, you know, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gianna and something like that does not mean they're disrespecting the other victims. Because on the first day when the crash when the crash happened and people you know were paying their respects, there are all kinds of like false reports saying like oh his whole family was on the helicopter, um, this many people died on it, this many people died on it. We didn't get a clear number until much later of exactly how many people passed in the crash, and we didn't get all the names of the people that passed in the crash. I think until like the following day. So first off, maybe some people were actually waiting for the other names, but we knew it was confirmed that Kobe and one of his daughters, his daughter's Gianna, had passed in the crash. So people were paying their respects to this person that they looked up to and his daughter. That doesn't mean they were disrespecting the other seven people. Did they say they were? Because people were like, everyone's lives mattered just because Kobe is a celebrity doesn't mean his life meant more on people's posts of just, you know, paying their respects. That is not the time to have that kind of fucking argument is something I want to say. Okay. Regardless of how you fucking feel, even if, if you feel that way, that is not the fucking time to bring that up. Just shut the fuck up. That's all you have to do. If you don't have anything nice to say about this person who passed away, just shut the fuck up. Don't speak of the dead then. That shit is so irritating to me. There was a post on um, a Yu Yu Hakusho page I'm a part of. And somebody was clearly a Kobe Bryant man in that page. And he was like, can we get a spirit gun fired off into the sky for Kobe and his daughter Gigi? And because um, if you're unfamiliar with Yu Yu Hakusho, there's a scene in the Dark Tournament after, before the finals when Genkai passes, Yusuke fires off a giant spirit gun into the sky and respect for her, and he's like, did you see that old lady? Like, I did that, that was for you. Like, that was to honor her. Like, that was like a, a farewell shot into the air. So that's what he was trying to say, like, you know, paying respect in the, in a, like, Yu Yu Hakusho-style fashion on the page. And somebody was like, yeah, let's, you know, not for, let's forget about, you know, the other seven people. And he's like, well... I wasn't dishonoring them. I wasn't saying they meant less. And it was just like, I'm so sick of celebrities being idolized over other people. We're all equal in this and that. And I was just like, can you step off your fucking high horse for like two seconds? Because I was like, where in his post did he go off and say like, fuck those other people? He didn't. 
He didn't do that. So why are you bringing it up like he did? Stop assuming shit. Get off your high horse for a second. Okay? It's like... I feel like it's so disrespectful to everyone to do some shit like that. Just get over that shit. No one said anything bad about those other people. Period. Also, you want to say shit like that, but want to bring up shit that hasn't been brought up about Kobe in almost two decades when he dies. You're just like, oh, this, but this, though. No one talked about that in forever until he dies. Then he dies and everyone's to bring that shit up again, even though that's already passed. Regardless of what you think happened, regardless of how you feel, a man and his daughter died, and now is not the time for that. Just don't say anything if you're going to be disrespectful. Like, I don't like the idea of disrespecting the dead. Just don't say shit. Just don't say shit about it. That's it. That's it. It's weird. It's just some weird shit to me, bro. And if you disagree with me, you disagree with me. I don't really give a fuck. I I, I always say that. If you disagree with what I have to say, I don't really fucking care. Because I don't say shit on here to please people. Like I said, this podcast is for me to get thoughts out and talk about my opinions and just talk about shit I enjoy. Normally within nerd culture. And I know this is outside of that, but still. I want to say rest in peace to Kobe and his daughter and to the other seven victims of that crash. Uh, Again, I'm sorry if I pronounced any of those people's names wrong. Uh, I hope you guys are in peace. I hope you guys are without pain. And I hope the families, all the families of all these victims uh, can find that time and that hope to heal and and I, I just hope it gets better for them. And death is a hard thing to get past. I know pers- more personally now than I did ever before back uh, a few months back when my, uh, my grandfather had passed. And I know that it doesn't really ever go away. But just know that people are here to support you. And that's all I want to say about that. And that's going to be it for the podcast. Sorry to end it on a little darker note, but um, I just wanted to bring that up. Oh, you know what? I guess not to end it on a darker note, because I said I was going to bring this up in the edit of the last episode. Um, I said the wrong name when talking about Yusuke's voice actor last week. Uh, I I realized it myself. I'm, I'm kind of glad I did rather than somebody telling me. I would have felt a lot more embarrassed. Yusuke is not voiced by Sonny Strait. Yusuke is voiced <laughs> by Justin Cook. Um, I don't know why I said Sonny Strait. And for for a minute, I was like, who the hell is Sonny Strait? I don't know who that is. I don't know why I said that name. And then I Googled it because I was like, I feel like that's a person. I had gotten voice actors mixed up. Sonny Strait is also another voice actor, most notably known for voicing Krillin, in the Dragon Ball series, in Usopp in One Piece. I don't know why in my head I said Sonny Strait instead of Justin Cook, but I just want to say my bad. That was my brain fart. That was my fuck up. I'm owning up to that. I don't know why that happened, but it happened. And I already put an edit in the description of last week's podcast 
saying that I understood that and I, I acknowledged the correct voice actors. <coughs> Excuse me. But I wanted to uh, bring it up verbally here as well, just so people know, in case they didn't read the description of last week. Okay, so that was the last thing. Uh, next week, I don't know exactly what I'll be talking about, but I'll probably have the topic put up soon on the Facebook page. So go ahead and like our project's Facebook page. That's the best place to get news on the 40 Ounce Fridays podcast. In the comic book series, I'm working on another random tale. Uh, hopefully you should be getting a new computer very, very soon uh, after this tax season stuff. So then uh, we can get the ball rolling even faster. But we're still working on storyboarding stuff. So once I have, like, a good date on when we'll release, like, that first, like, kind of, like, pilot chapter, I will let you guys know on the page and on the podcast and whatnot. But follow the podcast on here. We also upload the podcast episodes to the Facebook page in case you want to listen to it there. And we also have a YouTube channel called Art Project where we upload all the podcast episodes. But... The best place to let me know you guys are listening to the podcast and are vibing to it and are enjoying yourselves with it and like what I'm doing is through Podbean. Uh, go ahead and leave comments. Go ahead and, you know, follow. Uh, that support really keeps me going. I know people listen to it on Facebook, too, and give me feedback. They upset me verbally and stuff like that. But the best place I know to get direct feedback and, like, response from is here. So I want to try to grow that following. Maybe when I get a new computer, I'll upload the podcast to other platforms that are more accessible for people. But if you can, follow it on Podbean, listen to it on Podbean, just let me know. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for all the love and support. I will see you next week. And I hope you have a good Friday and a great, and a great weekend. So long. She knows what she doing when she been